everyone and welcome to another episode of the Petrolhead Podcast. I'm Kyle Mayer. I'm Chaz Logue. This podcast is brought to you by Petrolhead Cafe, a bar and restaurant concept that will be launching in Hartford, Connecticut, hopefully in the near future uh, and hopefully sooner than later. We're going to be starting as a uh, ghost kitchen and then moving on from there, hopefully with a brick and mortar within the next year or two. This podcast is also brought to you by Bison Track. Bison Track Leathers are proprietors of custom design and custom sized leather suits for riding a motorcycle at the racetrack uh, or sometimes off the racetrack as they do in uh, Northern Ireland and at the Isle of Man. Uh, check out bisontrack.com if you're like me and uh, you're too chubby for a uh, size 50 uh, racing suit and too short for a size 52, check out Bison Track and they can get you a really nice custom sized and custom designed leather suit. I have one and it fits great. I love the design um, and they will help you at every step of the way, whether you need help with designing or sizing, they will help you out. Their customer service is unparalleled in the industry. So go check them out, bisontrack.com. Chaz, how you been? It's been been a little while, lots, lots been happening. It has been, yeah, lots, a lot has been happening for sure. Um, kind of on and off the track, so. <laughs> Yeah, you, uh, you you raced again with HC Autosport. I did. I did. I did yeah, uh, race so up at New Jersey Motorsports Park. Um, so it was uh, the other track that I hadn't driven yet, uh, which is um, Thunderbolt. So I'd done Lightning in the past. So this was Thunderbolt. Uh, it was a 14-hour race starting at um, 9 a.m. on a Saturday and going till 11 p.m which also meant, therefore, it was my first race in the dark, uh, which I had not done before. So Friday, the schedule was practice in the morning, qualifying in the afternoon, and then time for a night practice. Um, that was the plan. <laughs> and then uh, Saturday was, uh, you know, kick off the race at nine and, and hopefully walk away with a trophy. Again, that was the plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but there's always a but right so mm-hmm. um yeah practice went great the car was awesome you know i driven the car before they made a couple of uh, engine tuning things and other things so uh car w- was really good though uh, there was two other drivers there that i had not uh driven with before that were on the team um so it was nice to meet them and uh they had a lot of experience with the track so i was actually able to learn a few things from them um you know i had, I had a couple corners that I was still trying to work out during practice. And they were kind of, you know, giving me some pointers on that, but, um, you know, overall I was really, really happy with my time, um, uh, with my time there. So practice went well, went out for qualifying team told me to do a one thirty five flat without going under. So that was our target. Um, I had been <laughs> doing one thirty threes in practice. Okay. Um, and the reason they say that is because, you know, they clasp, based on um based on your qualifying time so they thought where where we were running um you know we should probably be a class two car and you know they calculated out that class two cars would probably not be better than a 135 so went out there and i did a 135.00 
So exactly nice. what uh, I was supposed to, uh, well, according then. to our timing system. And then, however, oh. when I came in to check their timing system, they had clocked me at a 134.992 or something like that, whatever oh. it was. And uh, what was enough to put us at the bottom of class, um, class three. So we got bumped up a class. Um, so that was kind of frustrating because we're like, oh, shoot. Now we're, you know, we're starting kind of at the bottom of this class. This class is really good cars. I don't think we're going to be competitive. You know, that's kind of how we were feeling um, ending, you know, after qualifying. Mm-hmm. Um, then came time for night practice. So um, there were three drivers to go before me. I was going to be the last one to go. Well, the driver before me ended up crashing the car during Ooh. practice. Um, which meant I never got to practice at night. Um, so that was, uh, you know, that's frustrating, but it's part of it. And um, ended up uh, breaking the trailing arm on the, uh, the, the passenger rear of the car. Basically what had happened was uh, there was a car on the inside that they couldn't see. It's really tough to see everything at night. Uh, they couldn't see that there was a car on their inside. They turned into a corner. And so the front of their car hit the rear tire of our car, breaking the you know, breaking the control arm and, and other things, mm. um, which was not a piece that they had on hand, but there was somebody mm. who was, who was going to be flying down that night from Michigan, which is where they're based out of. So they, they reached out to them and said, Hey, turn around <laughs> before you could do your flight. Cause the person was already on their way to the airport. They said, go pick up that trailing arm that we have in the garage and then get it out. Wow. So the part showed up around probably two in the morning or something like that. Wow. Um, and the team just got to work and, and replaced everything. So that by the time, you know, I woke up um, and got there in the morning, the car was uh, all put back together and they were just doing kind of final torque checks on it. Uh, mm-hmm. So the team was up all night, you know, working their arse off. <laughs> trying yeah. To get this thing together, which is great. And again, it's, it's, it's why I love this team so much, right. You know, they're, they're just so driven by, um, by competitiveness and by, you know, making sure that, that everybody has the best experience and that, you know, we can put a card. It would have been so easy to just say, well, that's it for the weekend, but you know, they, they have a lot of yeah. fighting. They don't quit. So I love that. Right. Um, so they decided that I was going to start the race. So I was starting 14th out of 16 cars in class, uh, which was oh, like 20, 21st out of class. There were two faster classes than us. Okay. Um, um, quick question. Yeah. So if, so, I mean, by a te- did you kind of shoot yourself in the foot by trying to get that 35 flat the day before because if you had tried to go as fast as possible would you have qualified in the higher class but you would have been closer to the front of that class yeah probably um and plus if we had done a you know think looking back at this like last time we did the race we qualified for like group two and Mm -hmm. uh during our first stint they had upgraded us to a class so that meant we were starting from the back of the pack so it's kind of my impression that that would have happened because like I said, I started in 14th and mm-hmm. 21st overall, um, 14th in class, 21st overall. When I came in after my first stint, um, I was in, I was third in class and, um, I think it was like fifth or sixth overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were very, very competitive in the class, which we were very surprised to see as a team. Yeah. Um, so we kept going. We, were, we had great pace all weekend. And then um, when I, I went out for my second stint and when I came in for my second stint, I had um, we were in first place in class. And I think we were like second or third overall. Nice. Um, 
so, you know, again, I was super happy. I was like, wow, I think, and we had like a, something like a two lap lead over second place. Wow. Um, so in, we in were, class? yeah. So we, we, nice. um, and basically that came down to like pit stop strategy because yeah. they, they did an extra pit stop and stuff like that. And every pit stop okay. cost you about two laps. So, yeah. um, so we, we just had awesome pace and we're like, guys, we might actually do this. Right. Which you never want to say. And we did. Um, and then as soon as I got out of the car, they said, Hey, you know, we're, we changed up the schedule. We want you to go right back out after them. So there was basically, I got out this driver named Mike went in and then I was going to go right back out again. Um, my last stint that I had driven, um, was kind of the twilight stint, which they did on purpose because I was the only driver with no night experience and no night practice. They said, all right, well, let's put you during the transition. So we'll put you at sunset. So you'll have plenty Mm -hmm. of light when you go out. And then within the hour and a half of my stint, I was going to lose light completely. Um, yeah. It actually happened under pace car. I was, I was on the pace car for like three, four laps because of um, a crash or something. And yeah. um, so while I'm behind the pace car, the sun had set and it started getting dark and we had our lights on and uh, we had extra light bar. I think I sent you a picture. And mm-hmm. um, so then, uh, yeah, so then <laughs> it was probably my second green lap at night. And I went into turn nine, which eight. So turn eight at Thunderbolts, this like right-handed long sweeper. And mm-hmm. then what you kind of do is there's curbing on the right. And then as the curbing sort of ends, that's my visual for a break. So then I break, okay. I downshift into second. So it's a really tight right-hander and I turn in. And then because I had no visual references, cause it's totally pitch black and I'm, and I'm doing oh. a more than a 90 degree corner to the right. So I can't see anything out there. And I turn in and I get back to throttle. And then all of a sudden I see the grass in front of me because it was tighter than I had remembered it. (laughs) And again, you know, no visual clues. So I was like, oh shoot, I, I apexed way too early, uh, which I couldn't tell until it was too late. So I ended up cutting, like I went off track into the grass and uh, I didn't spin. I kept it under control and I ended up just cutting straight across. So I cut turn 10 completely and just went across the grass. Cause it's like a U-turn. So I just kind of just went oh. straight across the grass, but I did it in a way that I didn't gain an advantage. So I want to get penalized. I ended up losing like five places just doing that. And, oh, wow. um, which I got back within two laps. So I was able to pass everybody mm-hmm. back again. Um, but, uh, so it wasn't, wasn't a big deal. You know, it's endurance racing, so it's not a big deal to, to lose a couple positions in one lap, as long as you can get them right. back. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was really, I was really struggling out there at night. So anyway, I come in again, we're in first place now and I, uh, I turn the keys, you know, the car over to, to Mike. And then I go to the trailer to warm up cause I'm freezing. My Florida blood is I'm all thinned out. And it's, <laughs> at this point it's probably 45 or something like that degrees. Yeah. Uh, so I go sit in the trailer with the heat and then I, um, I, I pull up the, cause there was a live feed, right. So that I sent you so you can watch the race. Yeah. And I wasn't really watching. I was sitting there. My brother-in-law was down. So we were talking and I was like, ah, let me check in on Mike, see how he's doing. So, cause I was like, oh, the time's almost in. So I should probably start suiting up again. Cause I knew I was about to go out soon. So I'm putting my suit on and I pull up. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, So this is after your twilight stint. Yeah. So so I'd already done like a night stint. Yeah. All right. So it was the twilight stint. So after the twilight stint, it was supposed to be Mike and then you again. Yep, I was going to go out for another stint, which would have oh, been my okay. Fourth, or I'm sorry. Oh, third, okay. Third stint. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that the um, the twilight stint was the one after Mike. 
Oh yeah, no, but, no, I, I kind of backtracked in my story. Sorry. <laughs> got it. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So it's yeah, it's dark. Mike's in the in the car. Yep. Yeah. So then I, you know, I pull up the live feed to see how we're doing, what position we're in, and stuff. And then I look, you know, in the camera and I see the car. There's no driver, and the hood's up, or not the hood's up, but the, uh, you know, it's it's parked in front of our garage. And now I'm like, huh, that's not good. And I hear I hear all the tools all of a sudden that I was kind of blocking out. And I'm yeah. like, it sounds like they're working on it in the garage. And then I get out and then sure enough, the car is there. So uh, Mike was going for a pass on the inside of a car that didn't see him. Car turned in. It's kind of the opposite of what happened on Friday. Okay. Because he was the same one who crashed on Friday. But then the car turned in on him. So he hit the rear of the car, kind of did a pit maneuver and spun the car. And then he steered to the back of the car to avoid um, to avoid the car that he had just hit and was spinning. But then, you know, when a car spins, it usually ends up going backwards, like nine out of 10 times on track. Yeah. If something like that happens, the the outward momentum carries it. Right. And that's what happened here. So the car basically backed up into him and hit the front tire and the rear tire, bending the rims and again, breaking the control arms that we had just put in. So um, at that point, we had nothing that we could fix it with. So the car was toast and I didn't get to do my last stint. Um, oh, and, we fell, and, you know, we fell from first place to DNF, unfortunately. So yeah. very heartbreaking. Luckily there's a bar at the track. So I went there, <laughs> I, I bought everybody pickleback shots and, um, okay. and some, uh, some appetizers and we just all, uh, kind of bonded as a team. Yeah, um, for sure. But it's such a great team. And we're, we're still like texting each other on this, like this thing I ended up, <laughs> I got back to Florida uh, after the race and I went to Disney. So I was at test track mm-hmm. and, um, and somebody had texted the group saying, man, those post-race blues are hitting me. I need to do something to cure it. And then I was at test track at the time. So I sent a selfie to them saying, oh, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was, um, you know, heartbreaking. But uh, the, what's, what's great out of this is I was really happy with my performance. I was really happy with the lap times I was putting. In. I think I did a 132 something i forget what it was but it was uh you know it was, it was a pretty good time uh compared to the rest of the team they sent the data afterwards and you know i could see where i was fast i could see where i was losing time compared to some of the other drivers but um uh yeah it was uh it, it shows us that the car has the pace and to be competitive we had passed a like a a, a built-up porsche cayman right so mm-hmm. that was that car was leading our class when we first yeah. went out yeah. And we had surpassed a Porsche Cayman. Um, nice. Um, a, a very serious <laughs> built up Porsche Cayman. So the fact yeah. that we were able to do that with this 2003 BMW, right? Um, yeah. I think really says a lot for how well tuned this thing is and how good the team is, um, you know, drivers and engineers. So, yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's very promising, I think, for next season. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the team learned a lot. I think this was only their second season. Um, wow. And they didn't even do the whole season. They only did a little bit. So, and they'd only done yeah. like one race the season before. So mm-hmm. they're going to try to do a full season coming up. Uh, so my next race with them is likely going to be end of February at road Atlanta. Oh, nice. So you're going to continue with them into next year. Yep. Yeah. They reached out to me and they said, Hey, here's the calendar. Which races would you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I said, well, road Atlanta is pretty easy. I can just drive to that. So yeah. Um, they said, okay, well, you know, they're like, we've never gone that far South, but we'll do it. And, um, you know, they're planning on racing basically as, as many of the races as they can next season. Yeah. Okay. So how many total did they do this season? Uh, 
probably like four or five, something like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. But uh, um, and they won some trophies. You know, they I think in Mid Ohio they came in first in class or something like that. Oh, nice. Third okay. Class. So th- nice. they've won a couple races, but uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, they haven't. Uh, I haven't been with them when they've won. Uh, yeah. But I'll say not because of me, <laughs> at least. <laughs> so uh, are you, whatever. Yeah, were you, the weekend this past weekend when you were at um, New Jersey Thunderbolt, uh, were you the top driver in the team that weekend? No, I was, uh, I think I was second, either second or third. I can't remember if uh, out of the four drivers. Um, mm-hmm. I know I was faster than Mike and John was the fastest. And then Ben and I, our times were like identical. Our driving style is very identical too. I went for a ride along with them. Oh, okay. We're, uh, we're very aggressive drivers, which is not a good thing. Um, so I, I tend <laughs> okay. to overdrive the car, you know, I throw it into yeah. hard and then I just spend the whole corner, like catching drifts and stuff or, uh, oh, okay. or I'll break too late and then I'm playing with understeer. So I have, you know, I have my, uh, my, my issues with driving and Ben kind of is the same way. He has the same faults, mm. I would say, as I do. Yeah. Uh, with the other like john is extremely smooth you know when i went back and looked at the data and i see his throttle inputs on the pedal and stuff like that like he's just very smooth yeah um, I, I was the fastest in the last sector of okay. the drivers um yeah but uh i think ben was fastest ben's the the other guy i think he was fastest mm-hmm. in like the first or second sector and then john was fastest on like the third and then i was fastest in the fourth sector or whatever it was but uh uh, but it's cool. You know, what's cool is when they send the data, you can see like why I'm faster or why they're faster or whatever. Right. Um, Cause it's like, you know, Oh, it looks like Chaz takes a wider line here. So he's, you know, he's sacrificing um, uh, you know, it looks like he's, he's old. He's a, he's sacrificing taking a shorter line, but he's able to carry more speed and therefore his exit speeds higher. And it resulted in three tenths faster during the sector or whatever. Right. Right. So they'll right. go through and they'll say, you know, they'll look at the data it says, you know, this was your fastest lap, but you, you know, your steering went really fast here. So it looked like you were correcting oversteer at some point, mm-hmm. uh, or it looked like you opened up your hands. So you were probably correcting understeer and, you know, so they can, they can kind of see all that on the data, which is really cool. Mm. Okay. Is John the same guy that was um, like a semi-pro driver who was at, uh, in, with you in West Virginia at some point? Uh, no, it was, it was none of this, the, the, um, it wasn't the same guys as uh, West Virginia, uh, but he actually was there. The guy that you're thinking of, he was driving yeah. for a different team though. Um, oh, okay. Which was in a faster class, luckily. And actually, the another guy and his name's Tyler, but another guy in his team um, was a uh, he won the Nurburg Endurance Ring uh, Championship. Um, I forget what class or, or what what series it's called, but it was a Nurburg Endurance Championship um, like this past year. So it was like a series. Oh, nice. Um, yeah yeah that's quite the the feather in your cap yeah so they uh they i think they did really well they might have won their class but they were uh they were a faster class than us okay okay so they don't right, have cool. to worry about competing with him uh <laughs> yeah yeah no i uh i kind of when when i was watching the the uh the live feeds i was kind of toggling back and forth between your feed and um uh autosport Peter. fabrications feed yeah so. so autosport had a few cars there and i think tyler i did see that I think Tyler might have been on. I think he was in one of the Autosport cars, but he wasn't in the same car as Peter. But I could be wrong now. I gotta. Uh, okay. I think I'm just talking out my ass. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. 
cool. Well, yeah, it sounds like it was a it was a good time despite uh, what happened. And uh, yeah, it looks the the future looks promising. So that's cool. Yeah, can't wait to get back. That car is just so freaking fun to drive. You know, and yeah, that, the more I drive it, the more confidence I have. Like, like I was just throwing that car, you know, last, the last corner, you're flat out, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just holding the throttle for a 90 degree corner. And, you know, you're probably, you know, 80, 90 miles an hour, kind of like downhill at Lime Rock. You just kind of throw the yeah. car and it goes. And, and yeah. turn two, turn two is the one I struggled with in the beginning. And it okay, kind of is that a left hander? It's a right hander up a steep hill um, okay. with a blind exit. And so it kind of, Somebody was like, have you ever done Lime Rock? I was like, yeah, that's probably where I have most of my laps. And they said, well, it's kind of like the uphill at Lime Rock where you want to throw it in, let the hill catch you. And when they said Mm -hmm. that and I went out for the qualifying, that's when I was like, all right, let me play with this. And I just threw the car in. And Mm -hmm. yeah, sure enough, like it catches you and um, you have a lot of exit. It's all bumpy curb exits. You want to not hit it too much. But uh, yeah, you know, you could take it a lot faster than you think. And Mm -hmm. you just have to hope that the hill kind of gives you the grip that you need yeah so again similar to lime rock lime rock you take the uphill really really fast um and know that the the hill will catch you so so that was pretty cool um it was actually an awesome track i kind of loved really everything about the track Um, okay really good flow i just i i I just such had such a blast driving the track i put a lot of time in i racing i had a time to learn it Hmm. um you know it was fast but there was a ton of runoff so you can really like push the car and and i was comfortable kind of exceeding my limits i went off track maybe three or three times or so mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh during the the actual race um just from pushing too hard and kind of getting squirrely and and you know going off track i didn't spin or anything i didn't hit anything it was just you know like oops i'm going too wide here i'm gonna end up going off in the grass you know so mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah i have um aspirations to to do a track day at um at the new jersey thunderbolt track um i have a question about i had a funny moment the other day i was um i was driving with my family you know got the wife and kids in the car and i'm like at a stoplight and um i forgot i was thinking i was thinking in my mind like like doing the the heel toe driving thing and i kind of forgot that i was in an automatic car so like i was (laughs) I had my foot on the brake and I'm at the light and like, I just like started to like practice like the heel toe. And so I hit the accelerator while I was on the brake, like oh, jolted geez. the car forward. And I was like, Oh, ooh, Oh, sorry. Sorry, honey. I, yeah. I forgot we were in a, an automatic car. So um, I have a question. Yeah. About, about heel toe. Cause like I've seen videos and I, I don't know, I have yet to speak with somebody about this, uh, on the motorcycle end um but as far as like heel toe goes when you're when you're uh when you're doing the when you're in a car yep. are you supposed to be trying to get maximum braking power while you're doing that or or you're just kind of like on the brake a little bit while you're doing it yeah so it, it, it i would say it varies a little bit through corner but regardless you're still trying to get maximum braking so that doesn't necessarily mean pedal all the way to the floor because Typically what you do in a corner is, you know, as you're coming in, you have all the speed and you have a heavy corner where you need the downshift. It's typically Mm. you're hard on the brake at first and then you trail off the brake, right? Trail braking. Right. But at some point you need to downshift, you know, once or twice or three times or whatever the corner is. So, you know, I'm thinking at Lime Rock, for example, going into turn one, 
you know, into Big Ben. I'm in fifth gear going into the corner. I break mm-hmm. heavy. I downshift to fourth. Mm-hmm. And then while well, I'm on, on, you know, super heavy braking. And then as I'm trailing off, I usually, but I'm still on the brakes. I'll trail, I'll get it into third and then I'll continue to trail off and then back to throttle. Um, okay. So yeah, you, I mean, you do it when you're in my maximum braking um, and you're in just cause you're trailing off the brake doesn't mean you're not like, well, no, that's not true. I mean, you're, you're sacrificing brake for turning. You got to do that at some point. You're mm-hmm. still maximizing the friction circle is the idea. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can, you can do it under maximum braking or as you're trailing off. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I just feel like, you know, I don't own a, I don't own a manual transmission car anymore. Um, so I can't really practice or get a feel for it, but I just feel like, like I have a hard time, I guess, because like, I don't know, my knees are not the greatest from doing sports growing up. So like it, it just, I just hesitate to like keep my, the, the balls of my foot on the brake and like, you know, flip the, flip the, the throttle with my, uh, with my heel and like, but I have a pretty wide foot, so I might be able to do it a little more like a little less like heel toe and a little more like toe toe. And that's um, how I, I do it. I, I do it more generally speaking, most cars I'll do it toe toe. So like okay. my, my big toe is basically my big, my, my left two toes, let's call it are uh-huh. on the brake pedal. And then I kind of, but I, so when I'm going into a corner, I'm kind of minding this out right now, just so I can like visualize what I do. I kind yeah. of position my, I bring my heel to the right and I hit yep. the brake with my foot diagonal. So my foot, my toes are pointing to the left at about a 45 degree angle when okay. I hit the brake. And I basically, my heel and the, and the right half of my foot is kind of hovering over the gas pedal yeah. so that it's a very little tweak of my foot. Cause it's basically almost already touching the gas pedal. I mean, it's not, but it's, it's basically right there. Right. Already. So it's not uh-huh. like I'm heavy on the brake and then I have to spin my foot, which is what some drivers do. And I have to do that sometimes if I kind of brake unexpectedly, like because something yeah. happened in front of me and I want to downshift, yeah. then yeah. usually I don't have time to pivot my foot ahead of time. So I'll brake mm-hmm. and then I can swing and pivot my foot. So I can do it that way too. Um, yeah. But I find what I actually, what I end up doing is, my, my right knee from my right foot moves inward. So it actually like touches my left knee. I move it inward, which if you're sitting, you know, sitting in your seat right now with your feet, your toes on the ground and your heels down, right. You move your right knee in and what does your foot do? Yeah. It turns. Right. It it just naturally, you move your right knee inward and your toe moves inward. So then now my foot's in the right position. So usually what I find myself doing is I'm full throttle. And then as I go clutch and come off the throttle, I kind of just throw my knee inward puts my foot in the mm-hmm. right position and then that's when I can operate the uh the pedal which is why in some cars it's important for me that my knees aren't close to the steering wheel okay right? so like a, a Lamborghini Gallardo or a Huracan for example I have this problem because not that most of them are you know paddles so it doesn't matter too much but yeah uh, you know when I my knees are almost touching as they as I like bring my foot off the gas my knee is almost touching the steering wheel so it's tough for me to throw my knee to the inside and then do that, which is kind of why I like flat mm-hmm. bottom steering wheels. Right. Um, yeah. Cause if it's a round steering wheel, the lowest points in the middle and usually your legs are to the side, but as I go to heel toe, right. I bring my knee to the middle. So on a round steering wheel, if it's close, you know, I might hit. So that's, right. uh, I hope that helps. Yeah. It, I mean, I obviously just have to do it at some point. Um, is that the point of the, the flat bottom steering wheel? Uh, I think so. 
<laughs> oh, okay. All right, everybody. At this time, I would like to welcome our guest for this episode. Please join us in welcoming Benadon of Bike Life Sports. Hello, everyone. <laughs> hey, thank you for joining us. Glad to have you. Definitely. So, Benadon, yeah, I um, I read the Revzilla article about bike life in New York City, and um, I took a lot of interest in that. I didn't spend too much time in the comments, to be honest. I knew it would be a little uh, fiery down there. So, uh, you know, I just kind of kept away from that. Um, mm. But I found like I really enjoyed the article. And um, and yeah, it seems like kind of like bike life is is becoming something that a lot of people have a lot of awareness of, um, you know, throughout at least this area. Um, mm -hmm. I know in Hartford, we got people who are um, doing the bike life thing. My buddy has this brand called authentic bike life he does his thing with and and yeah so i just wanted to to have you on with us to pick your brain a little bit because i think you know you and i share similar visions for uh certain things especially at, at, when it comes to a future with more access to um like safe riding um yeah. where we don't have to ride on the street so um yeah. because of because of that shared vision that's part of why i wanted to have you Okay, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, I'm. It's been a long, long road, you know, a yep. long road, a lot of issues, but we're pushing through as much as we can with what little resources we have. So, um, yep. thanks for having me. You know. Yeah. So, tell us about how you got into riding motorcycles and the the story of bike life sports. Um. Oh man, how I got riding the motorcycles. Well, I actually started out. I started out on um, pedal bikes first. Mm -hmm. I was a BMX racer for uh, ABA, American Bicycle Association. So that was during the 90s. And, um, you know, during that time, growing up in Harlem, they always had a, they always had the bike. The bike scene was here since the early 80s, 80, for as far as I can remember, um, mm -hmm. 82 on up to the present. So growing up as a kid, um, just seeing the bikes and the sound, you know, the sound of the bike was like very interesting to us. And, you know, what we used to do, we used to um, we used to mimic the bikes as kids. Yep. Yeah. We used to mimic the bikes by putting um, water bottles in our um, in the back of our tires. Oh, yeah. So we okay. ride, ride real fast <laughs> and make the sound. So you always yep. knew it was like, damn, that's the I got to get a bike like that. So. I was introduced to it uh, early around like 92. Mm -hmm. um, met some people that actually had bikes. So before yeah. you could just see them driving by, but I met somebody who actually had some bikes. And um, I didn't get to ride them, but I got to get around them and look mm -hmm. at them. And, oh man, here's a bike with an engine. And so that's really how I got introduced to it. And um, I really got, um, I really started riding around like nine six after like watching the bikes for that long and then after i was racing the pedal bikes i got a chance to get a dirt bike of uh my own and straight to the streets mm -hmm. <laughs> to the streets and back then you know we always knew like you know i mean there's only one of these bikes could be a problem for being on the streets because we used to see the cops like chased after the bikers all the time and it was definitely a, a dangerous it was definitely a dangerous hobby. So buying mm -hmm. the bike was always like, you know, it gave you the, sh you know, the, the uh, shivers. 
anytime mm-hmm. you got on, because you know, making it home was um, your top priority. So the wheeling and stuff, uh, through all of that, you know, that, that dynamic, the wheelie, the wheelie was the main component to learning how to ride these bikes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, training to do that. And plus being able to, you know, get home safe. I did that up until like years 2002, 2002. And then I just, I left the bikes alone. There were some guys that I was riding with back then. Um, uh, rest in peace, Yoda, Sean Bay, and a guy named Dietrich. I used to ride with these guys all the time. And uh, Yoda died on a motorcycle, in a motorcycle mm-hmm. crash. He was wheeling down this avenue. It's Frederick Douglass now, but it was 8th Avenue back then. And um, he was wheeling down that avenue. Mind you, he was an original dirt bike guy. He was like the dirt bike guy first. Then he went to the Banshee which is the Yamaha 350 Banshee. Then he went to the motorcycle because he was always like a kind of guy that like, he didn't like no one riding anything that he was riding. So if he was riding dirt bikes, he's like, listen, I'm going to ride forward. If you start riding forward, he'll go ride the motorcycle. So he upgraded to that and he was wheeling down this avenue and he got to his 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 block, which was 111th Street, and an ambulance came out right in front of him and he crashed into the ambulance and blew up. Like blew up and all type of shit like that. Wow. And, uh, and the guy Sean Bay, he was killed in a drive-by shooting in um in Harlem. And Dietrich, he was killed in a um high-speed chase with the police in New Jersey. So these were guys I rode with every day. So I stopped riding after that. Because I was like, damn, this shit is like who I'm gonna ride with now, type of thing. So um fast forwarding, and I'm fast forwarding to mind you, even the old stories with this stuff. But fast forward mm-hmm. to 2010. Another friend of mine passed away on a bike on the West Side Highway here in um, New York City. And the guy that passed away, he was an original uh, biker boy. This is one of my friends we used to ride bikes with, pedal bikes. Mm-hmm. Like when I was racing and when I had retired, he had picked up the dirt bike. So the joy of seeing him riding always kept me off the bike. So I was like... I see him pass by, and as long as I could, yeah, he pull over, I might, I might take a spin around the corner, give him his bike back, and be like, all right, cool. And that was enough for me. You know, it came a point that, mm-hmm. that was just enough. And then he came and passed away in 2010 on a motorcycle. And I was, like, devastated. And it kind of brought me back around the, the bike scene again because I saw, like, at his funeral, he had, like, tons of bikers pulling up for him. And it's probably on YouTube. If you type up Ray Ray's funeral, mm-hmm. you you will see like the funeral that he had there in Harlem. And, you know, it just brought me right back around the bike scene. So, you know, after that, I got acquainted with everybody that was riding. And I was rusty at the time because I haven't rode in <laughs> shit. I said 2002. It really was like 2001. But like it was really rough for them around like 10 years or nine years. I haven't rode a bike. So I got back around it. I got back in the groove and I caught that energy again for like loving the bike. And it was, you know, I went, I went out of town and I, and I met some, um, well, some guys from Harlem that made a pilgrimage down to Baltimore for, um, some kind of motorcycle event. But while we were there, we got a chance to meet some of the dirt bike riders there. And that was the first time that I was able to like see the dirt bikes back in its essence. Cause it had, at the you know during the 2000s, New York had kind of like 
um, dwindled on the dirt bike scene. Everything turned into like motorcycles and like you know that stunt life. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know anything stunt life, but like these guys are like doing the wheelies on the motorcycles and they start putting the big sprockets on the back and the third right. brake. Yeah, but yeah, that wasn't really my scene. I was never a guy. I yep. was never a fan of that. Okay. So that's why through those years I never rode because you know it was like yeah I'm 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 all about the risk and the you know the danger of it like being like a wheelie like if you on that or you on the if you on the top of that seat we know that any given chance you know <laughs> you go too far back or you don't got that you know you don't have the talent enough you gonna fall over so long story short I just wasn't into that scene so um, when when I went to Baltimore I, I saw that there were some guys down there that was still on the dirt bike scene. And this is what I remember from being in Harlem. So I was like, oh, man, it gave me that energy to want to get back and get a bike. And so I got a bike. And 2011, it was my debut back onto the streets after like 10 years of not being on a bike. And, you know, that was like a whole melee of issues after a while. It was like, you know, it it ended up being like an issue with the police again. I mean, I was I was already used to that, like Mm -hmm. from the. He's in early 2000s, so um, it wasn't too much of an issue for me. So, um, you know, um, dealing with all the chases and stuff like that. But it did come a point in time when, like, social media was a big thing. See, back in the mm-hmm. days, you didn't have social media. It was you rode right. the street. That was it. If someone caught you on a VHS tape, that was whatever. But, mm-hmm. like, t- 2011, they had Facebook. And they had YouTube. And so, you know, those were, you know, uh, outlets that, you know, people, you could put your videos up and people see your videos. And it's like, oh, sh-, you know, <laughs> yep. now people around the world can see what you're doing. So um, 2011, uh, I believe, I believe it was 2011 or 12. No, it was probably 2011. Yeah, it was 2011. I put up these videos of me, like, you know, with the Spider-Man bike and that got like, that shit started getting that it went viral before viral was a word. It was it was doing that. So, um, uh, fast forward to 2012, I um, had a running with law enforcement with the because of all of the street stuff I was doing with the bikes, and so um, it kind of took me off the bike for like two years, mm-hmm. for like 2014, early 15. And so at that time, I was just like, you know, I was staying away from the bikes because I didn't want to keep getting charged on the bike. But then after my case was over, I bought another bike. I got my Spider-Man bike back, by the way. I got it back. So after that, I got another bike. Uh, I um, started riding again. Then I caught another case. I was just getting case after case because I was like this known figure or whatever. And then, you know, I'm I'm in like the heart of Harlem, so... There's like these two precincts, the 28th precinct and the 32 precinct. They like really runs, they run the you know the whole the heart of Harlem. So I kind of um and these cops like knew me by like face, first name, everything, bike, everything. Yeah. So I was just like keep getting caught up. So then I caught that second case, and I had to fight for another two years. And then after that, I was like, yo, you know this this shit ain't going right. Yeah. You know? I had to figure this. I had to start figuring things out because you know, really and truly, I just really wanted to ride the bike. So I kind of, you know, was in the house, sat down, and just started like, I don't know if you want to call it meditation or isolation, or whatever you want to call it. You know, mm-hmm. I just was, you know, on some single stay in the house, 
uh, focus type of stuff. And I came up with the I came up with the bike life sports name because during this whole this whole um, journey, I was always asking for the state to get us a place to ride, which was like hell no, we ain't giving y'all shit. Mm-hmm. You know, for lack of a better way of saying it, but they didn't say those particular words, but they always told us there's a process. You know, when they say process, yeah. when they say process, you know, you're, you're going for a process, all right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like you eat food that you got to go through the bowels and go out of, they talking some bullshit because you ain't, right. I mean, it's been 10, it's been how long now? 2012, it's, 20, it's literally been 10 years and then we, we have, it's still processing, right? So, yeah. um, so in 2017, after like, you know, try to, you know, make it happen, I, um, I said, shit, man. I was watching TV and I was watching, I was watching Formula One. I was watching, um, you know, rally cars. I like to watch sport races for some reason. Formula One is my shit. Mm-hmm. I, I, Michael Schumacher used to be out there with the Ferrari. So I used to be like, yo, I'm watching this shit. And I'm, and I'm like, a, <laughs> and I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a Beamer fan. So Williams was always my favorite team and shit. So, He's like, damn, yo, the BMW has got to win. You just want BMW to win. <laughs> so I used to watch that. And then I used to watch MotoGP. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching and I'm like, damn, yo, you know, I'm looking at this like, yo, we use a similar dynamic in the street because we, when we ride the streets, we don't just ride highways. We ride like, you know, we go down blocks, up blocks, around hills, turns, corners. You know, we do a lot of that stuff. So I'm looking at the track and I'm like, yo, I gotta get my I gotta get my boys on some shit like this. I found it, yeah. But damn, how the hell do you get on the track? Mm-hmm. So I never, you know, how did you get on the track? So call up the track. Hey man, hey listen, I want to ride on your track. <laughs> they said, <laughs> they said, oh, we don't do that here. You can't just come ride on the track. You gotta get with a team and an organization. Well, which I, track? Uh, I think it was. Um, I don't know. I think it was New Jersey Motorsports. I believe it was New Jersey. Okay. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it was, I believe it was. But they was like, yo, you got to come with an organization. I was like, oh, okay. Well, let's make an organization. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. I, I did more research, talked to a few people. I got a link through some ties of mine and was able to land uh, a track up in uh, Massachusetts. And I did my first ride in 2017. And that's where Bike Life Sports was created. Mm-hmm. But it was created through the struggle, you know? And so by right. the time I got to this point, it was like, you know, I did my first ride. And it was kind of chaotic because we, it, you know, this is like, I mean, I've organized other type of bikes, but bike rides, but um, this was the first actual track style ride. We did parking lot stuff things of that nature but like this was like it so now yeah. I did no one ever rode on a track before all the people i brought never been on a track ever with these um dirt bikes you brought i brought dirt bikes we brought four wheelers and we had some motorcycles because there's a couple of the guys that we ride with that still ride the motorcycles mm-hmm. the sports bikes whatever yeah you know you got sports bikes so we um they all came, man, and it was a success. Mm-hmm. We had our food out there. We had our, we had music. Um, 
we had we had some you know some some gear, some shirts and stuff. Um, and we rode. There was a few accidents, not nothing that was you know life threatening, but it was sunny that day, and people enjoyed that shit. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just I just kept going from there. No, that was a lot. <laughs> no, that's good. That's like that's what. That's what we want. We love the stories. That's what this podcast is all about. And this is why we do the interviews so we could hear people's stories. And this is why we talk with, with other people around us who are sharing the same vision and stuff. And I think we've only had Chaz, help me remember, I think um, Shaheen from the Ducati dealership in Oregon and Portland, I think that was the only like person outside the Northeast that we had as a guest, if I remember correctly. But otherwise, yeah. everybody is... Yeah. Every, otherwise, everybody's pretty local. And that's how we want to keep it, because I think part of my dream is to just see like the motorsports grow in this part of the country. And it's like there's no, you know, I can't I can't do anything anywhere else. Right. This is my local area. So this is this is where I'm going to build it. Right. Especially being in America, like, you know, like we don't really have a big sports industry here. I mean, it's mostly in Europe, you know. Right. My next question, besides like um, bike life sports, like. Like, imagine if you did have the money and the support, you know, money from wherever it came from and support of the local politicians, whomever, where around New York City would you build a park for riders and what would it be like? Hmm. <laughs> I'll build, you really, that's a real question? I'll build it in yeah. Times Square. I'll build it in Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> so, all, so all the tourists could come right there and watch the track race. You know, now nah, you know, but I mean, anywhere that what I would say is that, like, you know, anywhere we could find some land that's accessible, um, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, it, don't, it really don't matter. It really didn't matter to. It's not really. It don't really matter to me. Like, you know, because the city is small. You know, I could get from the top of the Bronx to Long Island on a good day in what an hour mm-hmm. and a half, or yeah. maybe an hour. So. Wherever it's at in the city would be great. Mm-hmm. You just need one, but like shit. Huh. I mean, just imagine, right? Just imagine that here's a new sport, an American sport, because it was birthed here on the land of America, uh, becoming the national sport. So now you have us as this continent playing in the motorsports industry once again. See? Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I like to see the, you know, the uh, the motorcycle races and stuff. But have you ever seen races with wheelies? Nope. Exactly. Exactly. We've done about we've done a few of them already. Most of them didn't make videos, but there's so much to do, you know, so much, and it'll be great for like you know, sports industry too, and mm-hmm. the brand, everything that already exists. It would be great. It would be great to do, and we're very diverse. Bike life is very diverse. Mm-hmm. Backgrounds diverse. So, do you think you would build like a like kind of like a big go kart track um, that was a little bit more accommodating for the lower lower speed, lower power dirt bikes, or would it be like a fuller big track? You know, kind of like like the one um, I don't know where you went in Massachusetts, but like New York safety track, like a full size track. Yeah, it'd be a full size track. Okay. You know why? Okay. You know why? Because we're looking for the talent. I mean, you could have, you got, we could have smaller races with smaller tracks, but like main event going to be that, you know, those miles and those big mm-hmm. tracks miles and they have the land, they have the, uh, 
you know, um, just the, you know, the way the, tr- the way that I've seen tracks being designed and the way they're designed, they're built for like the most skillful person to be, to be like, you know, compete. I can't, mm-hmm. it can't be like, you know, go up, you go here, you go down, you come across, oh, hooray, hurrah, you won. No, you want to build a sport, it has to be competitive and it has to be difficult. Mm-hmm. We're all about a challenge with these bikes, so it would definitely have to be something big like the, uh, you know, safety tracks and um, Watkins Glens, mm-hmm. sure. tracks like that. Okay, because something I would love to see in in Hartford is a is a cart track that can you know that just makes it a little bit like. Um, like it just accommodates the land a little bit easier. Like a full size track is pretty, takes up a lot of space. And like, I know on the podcast before there's this one spot in Hartford that used to be this junkyard for years. And then it's been empty for years. And now the city took it over and I want to kind of get in touch with the city and be like, Hey, why don't you build a, a cart track here? Cause it's right next to the highway. You know, it's already noisy you know, people are not going to complain that much. There's a lot of other businesses around. It's not like people's houses and stuff. So I would love to see a cart track be put there. And that that makes it more accessible, uh, you, you know, for a lot of people because you don't have to be running a big full-size bike. Like if you don't want a dirt bike, you can get like a little mini bike and be, you know, hooning around on the on the cart track and stuff and just kind of keep it keep it small, keep it affordable and accessible to everybody and that's kind of my my own vision so I was kind of wondering like the reason I asked about your vision is just to kind of see if it was if it was similar but if you're going for a full-size track you know that's your vision because yeah because we I mean we we um as we call as we call uh you know this recreational riding is cool because we do that too I mean we're doing that a lot more than we do the you know the sports events Mm -hmm. so recreational riding is cool you know, at the same time, though, you know, it's just like basketball. You can have recreational basketball, but when there's a tournament, you want to be you want to be in Madison Square Garden. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. You, you, you don't want to be like, hey, listen, we're going to go play in the park and we're going to bring Michael Jordan out here to like, you know, <laughs> the, co- the court is not even regulation. Right. So that's where that come. That's that. That's where that coming in. That's why mm-hmm. these track, the track is needed. Mm mm-hmm. Now we could also have the small space because that could be, like I said, recreational driving. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be for practice because everybody right. needs practice, right? So I'm right. like, hey, listen, um, hey, Kyle, listen, I'm coming up um, off it this weekend. You got anything going on? Hey, nah, you know everything's cool. Yeah, the last group, yeah, that we got, we got to open into Island. We coming up to get some. So there you have it. You no, know, come up and get some mm-hmm. practice because listen, I got a big race coming on in two weeks. I got to, right. I got to prepare. So I got to learn these corners. So I'll come up, you know, check you and stuff. And, I mean, it still could work that way. Because right, what, right. You're saying is, what you're saying is like, you know, you just wanted for the guys to have to, because our, our, you know, our wheelers aren't like super speed see, either. Mm-hmm. Right. So I get what you're saying, like with many bikes, guys going around, go-karts, racing, you know, hanging out, you know, cook a couple hot dogs and burgers and stuff. So I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of tracks have both, right? So you look at like a Lime Rock and they have the main track, but then they also have an autocross and a skid pad and all the other stuff. Right. Lime Rock. Mm-hmm. Where, that's in Connecticut. Where's that? That's in Connecticut, right? Yeah, it's a northwest yeah. corner of Connecticut, Lakeville, Connecticut. Yeah. 
Lime Rock. It's what's like, like three. It's almost like three hours from um, New York, right? About from New York City. Yeah, probably about three hours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to. You know, I want to go visit that track. Have you ever? Anyone of you guys been there? Yeah, that's probably where I have more laps than any other track. Um, but they don't do motorcycles there, unfortunately. I know. Why? Uh, there's well, just not enough safety runoff, is is my understanding. Um, where you know, with the motorcycle, you kind of need the room for it to be like safe for somebody to to take a dump and you know <laughs> be able to you know not go right into a wall or a tree or something. Yeah. Lime Rock doesn't offer that luxury. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they'll do track days, but it's expensive. Yeah, yo, they are definitely expensive. Trust and believe. I mean, for one day, their their numbers was like out of this world. I was like, God dang, sheesh. But um, yep. yeah, um, yeah, motorcycle motorcycle racing is yo. That could be pretty dangerous, man. These guys, you one eighty and down a you know straightaway trying to get to make a make a turn. It's like you know you're on a motorcycle because all it takes is one bad slip of the back tire man that thing goes sideways it's mm-hmm. up it's up and over <laughs> y'all, y'all both know it's up and over yeah so i see why you know certain tracks don't allow but our you know the, the release that we do our top really on a straightaway you probably get a 40 50 yeah i mean you could save yourself at 50 right jump off you know you gotta know how to fall that's about it but like um Lime Rock, they have a they have a decent track. They definitely mm-hmm. have a track. And what about Thompson? Um, was it Tom Thompson Raceway? Yeah, oh, yeah, Tom, yeah, yeah. That's Thompson in Connecticut Speedway. too. Thompson Speedway, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's in the northeast corner uh, of the state. Yeah, that's uh, that's How a good track. They they have an oval, like they have like a NASCAR oval there. And then yeah. um, I would say maybe about seven eight years ago they repaved the uh, the road course there. So I've I've raced there a few times. Um, oh, so you uh, so you race you race you like what, what you what, what kind of bikes you race? So I race I race uh, cars. I'm do bikes. <laughs> oh, you oh you race cars? Yeah, that's how Kyle and I do this. He's the bike guy. I'm the car guy. Oh, that's game. That's good. What kind of car you got? Uh, so my street car is a Jaguar F Type. Oh wow! Um, right now the race that I just did was in a BMW E46. Ooh, you're you a BMW guy? Yeah, my car prior to the Jag was a uh, a one series. Oh wow. I got. I have a. Uh, I have an E30. Oh, nice! I love yeah. those. I'm actually sitting in it. See? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Got a little something there. I like the demons. So, like I said, Formula One. Williams was my favorite team. Yeah, Frank uh, Williams passed too. Huh? I said Frank Williams just passed too. Frank Williams just passed. Get out. When? Yeah. Uh, last like two a week and a half, two weeks ago. Oh, for COVID? Uh, no, I mean he, he was like ninety something, so I think oh, just old age. Yeah, he made it. He made it. He made it big. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Look at the history of like sports racing, like you know, like the like back in the like you know, I know we talk about safety now because based on everything that happened back then, because <laughs> these dudes was good, they had no filter the way they you know they survived their you know their vehicles and stuff, but like. Um, Formula One, man. You know who? I, you know one of my favorite guys is Bernie, man. You know Bernie um, Eccleston, Eccleston. Yeah, yes, my man. <laughs> 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 right. You gotta <laughs> like, like seriously, right? Like, look what he did. Like, look how he transformed. He made it cool. He made it like 
this is prestigious. Like, you know, the, you know, even come to a Formula One race. Now, you know, I mean, I don't know. You correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think the dynamic is still there right now? I don't know. It's, it's changing. Right. And I, I don't necessarily think it's changing for the better. I mean, and then again, the whole Saudi Arabia thing, like going to Saudi Arabia in general, I thought was a kind of a bad idea, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, but you know, like, you know, like Formula One was like, it was like, um, it was like going to like a concert. You yeah. have the girls, mm-hmm. you have the fans. No, you still get that. I think yeah. at like Monaco and U.S. Celebrities, right? Yeah, they had the celebrities, right? Yeah, well, I mean, so they're they're racing in Miami next year, right? And I tried to get tickets the day they went on sale, and they they were all sold out. And I think that's going to be probably that's probably going to feel like Monaco. I mean, right? Like Miami attracts so many celebrities to begin with, and if you looked at all the celebrities that came to Coda this year. Right in Texas, it was uh, you know you had Shaq rolling up in that freaking whatever that was he was driving and and uh, yeah man I think it's gonna I think Miami next year is gonna be just a crazy spectacle. Yeah, well Miami is Miami I guess because it's hot everybody want to go to the beach and but you like like I'm talking like you know Eccleston he's like he'll pull a track in Las Vegas like this shit about to be it's just gonna be a whole <laughs> like you know like. This yeah. dude, this this guy threw out. Was it Argentina or Brazil? Yo, he 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 had a track. He threw a track event in Brazil. It's like, yo, he stretched the whole, you know, the, he stretched the cloth on that one. So what I'm saying is, like, like if you look at NASCAR, right? I mean, what you think about NASCAR today versus like when it was like Dale Earnhardt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Now it's all this, you know, a lot of things have changed and like sports racing is like stagnated right now. Hmm. But it's a lot we could do to like spark it back, like, right? Yeah. Diversity, the new, the Instagrams, the, you know, there's so much more we could do with like combining sports right now to make like, boom, make America like, yo, I got to go see one of these guys' events. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I got that. I got that feeling exactly. The first time I saw MotoGP, um, I was living in Chicago at the time, and they were racing at Indianapolis um, Motor Speedway. So one time in 2014, I went down there, and I just remember like walking in during the morning warm up on the Sunday, and like this bike just comes flying down at like 200 miles an hour, like just a few feet in front of me. I couldn't believe it. Like I got, I got like goosebumps. It was like I was kind of scared for a sec because. This, this like the guy's not he's not in a car he's just like on the bike like he could like no seatbelt nothing and he just goes 200 miles an hour so at, at, after that i was like oh man like yeah america's got to get on this like pretty pretty soon you know we got to develop the talent and get some people you know in this sport and get more people into it as fans and spectators and stuff so so i i get that for sure yeah and we could do it oh yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah we could do it. Like, I mean, the races I like, like you said, you got the E46, right? I like races that have, like, I like races where it's not, like, like, I, don't get me wrong, I like India, like NASCAR and Formula One, right? But I also like to see, like, the regular cars get out there. Mm-hmm. So you see, like, a guy, because we do, because I don't know about you guys, right? But I used to be, like, one of those guys that get on the highway and you, like, you got your car. Like, you see somebody put up with, like, another brand, like, I'm a, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You start making your, you know, the adjustments and next minute you're in the middle of a race. So when I watch like the races that come on TV, sometimes it's like you like to see those races with, you know, the average everyday car sometimes. And yo, I'm just saying, like, it's so we're like we, honestly, it's almost like everyone looks to for America looks to America for like everything that's inspirational and what's new. Like what's new? I'm not mm-hmm. gonna look to I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna look to Papa New Guinea, right? I'm gonna say, hey, what's going on today? <laughs> See what's going True. on over there, right? Right? Because, like, That's whatever. True. So, people look to America and say, what are you guys doing? So, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. If we're going back to you, if, you know, let's say your dream comes true and you're able to build the, the track for people around New York to enjoy bike life, do you think, I mean, uh, basic, I mean, part of the reason I ask this is like just based on the information that I know um, I got from that RevZilla article and kind of how you you want to kind of bring people off of the street and onto your park or track. If that dream comes true, do you think people would eventually get bored with the track and like go back to the streets, you know, where it's a little more, you know, exciting, a little more risky and, and exciting in that way? Uh, my, answer, my answer to that is no, people are not going to get bored. They're not going to get bored. We're bored now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're bored now. It's like, um, just think about it, right? Uh, you know, we used to play basketball. We used to play basketball on crates uh, on the street corners. Mm-hmm. There was no place. We had no basketball court. And the corner would be packed with people playing right on the corner. You cut a crate out, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this. But like you I know, that, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Right. So we're on the corner. We're playing this sport. And people, on, but then they got the basketball court. You got the real deal here. Mm-hmm. Now, when the top guys go over there to play, why are you still on the corner mm-hmm. playing with the milk cart? Right. Like we're over here. Why you want to go to the streets to get chased by police and harassed and get surveilled and get your bike um, compensated? Mm-hmm. Why you want to go through that? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. Some people are for the thrill. Yep. Right. But that's not the essence of where this thing even started from or what it's about. That just happened to be a component to it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get on this bike and you ride on this street, this is what's going to happen. And these are the people you're going to come in contact with, and they are not going to play with you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got a girlfriend, you got kids, you got a job. You really want to risk all that by running from the cops? Mm-hmm. Break your leg? You got to work for three months, you're going to risk that, you're going to risk your license. Mm-hmm. Why, don't you just, why don't you just come to the track? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to be there. We got the cameras out. We're going to be live. We have the uh, the cheerleaders, right? We got a couple of che- mm-hmm. <laughs> We got food, we got drinks. Yeah. Music, music, right? Why yeah. would you want to be anywhere else? Mm-hmm. And that's for anybody. Just think about how that sounds, right? Street mm-hmm. riding, helicopter, police chasing, yeah. cars, zigzagging, Mike can hit you. Oh, what I just what I just described to you. I mean, what mm-hmm. would you what would you choose? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, I asked that question because I don't because you know the answer better than I do. I don't know what the answer would be. And I think I think what what you've done. Like I know I I haven't seen any. Um. I don't know if you made videos from the track in Massachusetts, but I yeah. saw your videos from New York Safety Track. But I think those videos and like the popularity of that definitely proves. Proves your proves that you're right about that. Um, my 
I think my question goes back to like the social media thing. Like people are entertained by more risk, right? Like when somebody takes a risk and they're entertained by it. So I'm just thinking like if people want that attention from the social media and all of that, do you think they're going to, they might have fun at the track, but are they also going to be more like, is, are people going to be drawn more to that risk and that like Instagrammable wheelie down the, the public street with the cops chasing them? And if you say no, then I'll, I mean, I'll take your word for it because I don't know the answer. Yeah, because you got to understand, right? Getting chased by the cops has already been done. There's not mm. a new cop chase that's going to make the old cop chase look like it's not a cop chase. A cop chase is a cop chase. That's a great point. That's an excellent point. Right? So it's about where you're going next. What's next? Mm. Like, if we always thought of keeping things the way they were, we, we, we'll be riding horse and carriages right now. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and playing with revolvers. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we don't row boats no more. Mm-hmm. Our, boats, our boats got uh, got engines on them. A lot of people are afraid of change, but change mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. Change right. is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So it's all about elevating things. We want to elevate, elevate the sport, elevate what's going on now. I mean, I've been running from police far too long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I, I'm tired of running. I can't I can't do no more runs. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying for the young guy saying, "Well, shit, you already did enough run. I want to run now." I'm going to say, listen, 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 young man, you ain't missing a damn thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not missing anything. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I know Grand Theft Auto make it look good. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, and a lot of times some of the cops, like the cops now and the cops back in the days are not the same cops. Trust in me. In what way? <laughs> in a, the aggressive way. And like worse now? They're, 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 they're like, uh, they're level two now. Back then was okay. like level. That's level ten. Okay. Level ten. Oh, wow. No cameras. High school. Because remember, in order um, to be a cop, um, back then you just needed a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. Now you need a PhD to become a cop. So there's more thought process going into policing. Back then it was you jumping in. <laughs> they you know cop wasn't wearing no seatbelt. He jumped right in. Spinning tires. It ain't his car, right? He yeah. Get park, he get to park it and go home. Yeah. So imagine getting chased by a cop like that. No yeah. filter. No governor on him. You mm-hmm. want to get chased by a cop like that? He's hopping the sidewalk with you. He's spinning the corner. <laughs> he's he's doing everything you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you got hurt back then, it wasn't there for. Remember, um, you know the law back then was you could chase. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Think back. Yeah. Police was able to chase at one point. Until they yeah. realized that police chasing people got people killed. Yep. And then they started the do not chase. I don't know if it was so mm-hmm. much, but do not chase um, was a law. Mm-hmm. So you think these cops are bad now? I need to put you in a time machine and send you back to 88. <laughs> mm. Really see what a cop was like back then. So um, yep. it's not going to lose its essence at all. Right. Okay. I think something that you've done that I want to do and that I'm very impressed impressed by is the is the events that you've had at new york safety track specifically and i've i've been there and i've ridden that track i i did my first track day there a couple months ago i had a really great time but like to me as somebody who's starting out so small i mean i got a friend her two her two dogs have thirty three thousand followers on instagram how i don't know how that's possible that somebody's dogs got 
33,000 followers on Instagram, but I think, I, I think Petrolhead Cafe is like maybe a hundred people following. So like, I'm very small. So the idea of getting people together from New York city to travel all the way up hours with their bikes up to New York safety track, that is impressive, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like, that's seriously impressive. So tell me about that process of um, connecting with New York safety track and how everything came together for the private track days there. Like take, take me from idea and concept to reality. Yeah. So those things again, right? Track hunting, what's close for the people. You always try to look for what's the closest for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, people enjoy the ride, but people hate to travel three hours, five hours. If right. you had to travel, I have people, listen, I have people who come as far as California. So you might think all these guys come from the city. Guys are coming from Ohio. Wow. Atlanta. Like I said, California. I had people, I had, I had some, I had some bikers come from Arizona. They drove over and there was, wow. a, there was, there was some people that I think they, I believe they lived in Texas. What they said was they moved to um, North Carolina just to be close to the East coast bike life scene. Wow. And it was, and it was at the track. Wow. So um, I always try to look for like the closest track and, that's how I was able to get up to New York safety track. It was close, but it's not close for my guys. That's like living in like Philly, Baltimore, DC and stuff like that, but they still come up. Um, mm-hmm. And I, um, I did my talks. I made my connections, you know, had some, um, had a little bit of help doing that um, through the right people. And, you know, we just kind of really connected it based on what we were doing. And, you know, they said, okay, you know, no problem. Let's check it out. Let's see how it go. And that's really how we were able to get it to the point where we got it now, where we like to do these events there. Um, you got to remember that the stuff that we do has never been done on any racetrack anywhere before. Mm-hmm. So right. it's a bright, brand new idea. And, you know, some guys say, right, well, I see it on the news and I see it here, I see it there. Well, you know, um, sure. You know what? How about this? Let's try it out. Let's see how it goes. And right there, you got to boom and hit off. And, you know, people come out, you know, they're being very respectable. You know, everybody come, they ride, they enjoy it. You know, five, five-year-old children there. Mm-hmm. Their wives there, the grandmothers. There was a there's an 80-year-old woman that got to ride around the track on the back of a bike. But <laughs> you got to imagine, imagine what that's like, right? Yeah. So it's an elderly woman on the back of a banshee. And somebody pop, 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 going around, right, sliding the tires. And, you know, grandma got on her helmet and stuff. And she get off. She felt like she was back in, like, you know, you know, back when they made the, the Shelby's. So it's like, mm-hmm. so, um, so. When Can you elaborate? Enjoy, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know, when people enjoyed the feeling of actually being on the track, they're like, oh, when's the next one? They bring their friends mm-hmm. because they tell them, like, listen. The experience at the track versus the experience on the street is when you're on the street, you enjoy the ride, but there's always that danger. Mm-hmm. There's always the possibility that a cop could pull up right next to you in an unmarked Lexus while you're at the light and this nice Lexus pull up like, oh, man, this is nice. And then the doors fly open, boom, boom, boom. And next minute, somebody's jumping right on top of you. <laughs> mm. You know, that, you know, just that alone. Once we were able to eliminate that, mm-hmm. 
eliminate that fear factor. People are like, damn, this is the first time I've ever been able to actually enjoy my bike without thinking about getting harassed. Mm. And that's where the energy came in to people like, you know, when's the next event? Yeah. I, yeah. So that's how, that's how, you know, safety track, Coconut Raceway, you know, uh, Atlanta Motorsports Park. That's how these things are happening because mm-hmm. the people like this is like, and they could bring their kids as well, you know? Right. You're spending, you're spending quality time with your family because when you're on mm-hmm. the bike, you go out on your bike, your girlfriend doesn't know, right? Your girlfriend, like, it's just you and your bike, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine a, a spot where your girlfriend actually comes and sit down with you. These mm-hmm. is what these guys are doing. They're bringing their girls there with them. Right, right. And their children. So it's like a family affair, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you, are you willing to elaborate on what you said earlier about you got some help, you know, your connections and so forth? I think uh, I'm asking that just just because I, I want advice in a way. Like, I want to know how you did it so that someday I could do my own, like, kind of private track days. Oh, so um, you never did a track day there? You never did a track day? Yeah, no, I, I did, but it wasn't, like, what I'm saying is, like, like you know, Bike Life is a few years old, but Petrolhead Cafe, like, my business, my organization is is very, is, is, is younger. Like, we don't have that much um, influence or... Like someday I want to get people in, in Connecticut in the Hartford area to do a private track day um, up at New York Safety Track. But right now I'm not there yet. So I kind of want to know in some ways how you did it. So that's that's part of why I'm, I'm asking, like, if you can elaborate on um, using your connections and, and the help that you got. So, wow, what's this guy's name? It was a good friend of mine. Uh, kind of put it in a good word for me. And that's really how, like, so... In order to get, in order to do what I'm doing, let's mm-hmm. say for your, um, your cafe thing, what you're doing, because I read up on you. I've mm-hmm. seen, I see you do like, um, like you did a bar event. You invited some people out. Mm-hmm. You had some sports stuff playing while you guys drank and listened to music. Um, what you gotta, what you have to do is, um, like the people that are actually coming, you gotta get them to actually get people to come. And mm-hmm. so how to do this is you got to have a good night. Like your night has to be something of a remembrance. I don't care if you was roasting a pig on a pool table in there while you was, while you was taking shots of tequila and like, yo, this, this guy's party is like awesome. And then like, you know, people like, you know, they start showing up. Right. Mm-hmm. So now while you're doing this, you got your sports playing and you know, it's the energy you create around yourself. It's not just saying, yo, I have a track event. Come on out. Let's go. Listen, hey, we're going to just drive 80 hours up to my, up to the track. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to be someone with such good energy that people will follow you. If you say you were doing an event on the moon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I've watched one of your videos. You don't have that much content, up, right? That's true, right? Right. So you got you to gotta burn. You got you to gotta start burning that incense. The incense is burning mm-hmm. slow right now. You just, you lit it. You, you know, you lit it. It smells good, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to really dig deep. I mean, it had, you had a good turnout, mm-hmm. you know? Now you got the, you know? So it's All not right. just, it's not just like you um making like, oh, I got to be in the track. And it's, you know, it's like, oh, you know, how do you do the events? Blah, blah, blah. No, it's not really like that. It's, it's the energy it's the energy that you bring. And so mm-hmm. when about a, you do a track event, then the people that's been coming to the cafes, those mm-hmm. guys are going to come to your event. 
else. Right. But you got to create that energy. If you don't got that energy created, it's going to be a very tough pitch. Right, and, you right. Know, the, tracks, the tracks cost money. They're not yes. cheap. Right. So, I don't, you know, it's not a cheap, it's not a cheap thing. So, right. in order to get to that, you know, get to that level, got to have that, you know, I don't know if you see my Instagram, my Instagram, I got, I got a lot of people watching and like, you know, but I've, I've been doing this for some years now. Right. I didn't start, I didn't just come around. So mm-hmm. you're saying you're fresh, you're fresh here. So yeah, right. it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you some time to build up to um, that point. But once you get to that right. point and like, you know, your events are successful, then people are going to take a liking to you. Once they take right. a liking to you, then, you know, so she wrote, man. And it's still tough. Yeah, no. Don't, I, I'm not going to make it seem like, you know, I'm not going through the struggles of like putting my event together. It's still, it's still a tough thing. Why? Right. Because I'm still trying to get new people. I'm still trying to get new people to come out because everybody don't come out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's really good advice. Yeah. You know, you know, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not the track itself. Mm-hmm. It's the person at the track. Yep. You know, now it was great talking to you guys though. You know, um, I appreciate y'all reaching out. Man. Yeah. Thank you so much, Benadon. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, hanging with us and, and uh, telling us your story, sharing your advice. And um, it's been a lot of fun. I hope we get to meet in, in person sooner rather than later. Yes, definitely. I need to learn how to make that, you know, that, you know, that boom. Yeah. hundred percent. We're going to one hand wash off. And then we need some advice. We need some financial advisory to bottle thing up. So, you know, we got Chaz, Chaz, forget <laughs> about us, man. This is your coast too, so get this region going. Got it, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So y'all take care, man. And um, you know, it was great. This was a great talk. All right, y'all y'all take care, man. All right. Have a good All right. night. All right now. Chaz, Kyle, peace, my brothers. All right. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks, been done. All right, everybody, that has been another episode of the Petrol Head Podcast. We've had a great time uh, chatting with Benadon of Bike Life Sports. We hope you enjoy this conversation as well. This is Kyle Mayer. We'll catch you next time. Jazz Logue, speed safely. I gotta pause you for a second, man. There's a huge cockroach. I gotta... <laughs> All right, get it. You got two kids. You don't look like you got no kids. You married? Yeah. Too? Yeah. What, Chaz? You married as well? I am married, but no kids. Oh wow. What are you waiting on, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna turn to one of those talks, man. Jeez. <laughs> this is called podcasting. <laughs> Everything. I know. Anything right. goes. Yeah. All right. 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 Yeah.